What's up, How About This listeners? It's Mike Stow back again with another episode of How About This. And on today's episode, we tackle a giant dinosaur of a property. I'm not really pulling any punches. I'm not really going to try to hide it. We're talking about a film that has since become a fairly sizable film franchise. And we are talking about Jurassic Park. And we hope that you enjoy this one. Jordan and I obviously love dinosaurs. We love the original Jurassic Park movie. And we would love to see them do some different things with the franchise. So strap in and listen. And remember, life finds a way. Welcome back, How About This listeners. It's another episode of How About This, and today we have a prehistoric thing to talk about today. Very, we have very some, nice. Very uh, good, Mike. Very have, good. Off has, to a strong start. That's right. We have something that has withstood the test of time. It has survived the tar pits, quite possibly an asteroid impact, and a series that has arguably just one good film in it, but has now spawned <laughs> almost six movies, uh, most of which are not very good. But before we talk about that, we have Mr. Dino DNA himself, Jordan Yu. Uh, thank you. And and thank you to my favorite rock star slash chaos scientist, Mike Staub. What the fuck was that character? Ian Malcolm. Can't, can't get enough. But you are Ian Malcolm, sir. Oh, really? Wow. That's I'll you. You get to be Malcolm. That's the best compliment that you can get from Jurassic Park because he's like the best character in he, the movie. He's inarguably the best character. Yeah, I don't know if I don't know who gets close. Uh, definitely not definitely not John Hammond. They gave Goldblum essentially I know we're already getting right into this. I'm sorry. We they gave Goldblum essentially all the best lines in the movie. Even his throwaway lines are the best lines in the movie. They're all good. They're all all good. good. All good. And then uh we have so oh, okay. We're talking about Jurassic Park, if you didn't yeah, understand. Sorry, I, bl- this. I blew I blew it. I just I had to get right in. I'm That's sorry. fine. We didn't have to surprise him. We really shouldn't surprise people with this because when you click play on the episode it actually gives you the episode title so they know there are spoilers no one told me Uh, this movie actually doesn't really have anything in it that can be spoiled i don't think there are any real (laughs) in jurassic park i guess that's true right yeah everyone knows it's like come on it's a movie about a part a theme park where the attractions are dinosaurs it's essentially a dinosaur zoo the dinosaurs to no one's surprise break out and the people have to survive the attacks from the dinosaurs and then they do that's pretty much all jurassic park is but that's a very very loose skeleton of what this movie is and what this film franchise has continuously tried to do is really try to live up to the original film because the original film is obviously an oscar worthy award worthy movie and nothing since then has really been able to even come close the best we get is a Tyrannosaurus in San Francisco. That's about the best we get in these movies to anything that's even remotely enjoyable. They went from being kind of a a serious, thrilling, action-adventure movie that should be taken seriously to, at this point, we have scenes where Jimmy Buffett is running away from a dinosaur trying to protect his own margaritas. (laughs) And it's, it's gotten to the point where, like, I don't want to say the new movies are bad, but I don't enjoy them nearly as much. I don't get the whole I don't get the whole appreciation and the hype behind Jurassic World. I thought Jurassic World was well, incredibly mediocre. Yeah, I think the part of the problem with the new movies is that there is some like bad 
messaging in the new movies that like have kind of taken over the plot. By the way, the messaging seems to be business bad, dinosaurs good. <laughs> that's like that's like the new message. Uh, you know, it's not even like environment good, business bad, or something like that, or even just like human greed bad, dinosaurs good. I I don't even I don't even know. It's just like they just don't like fucking business people and industrialists, and they're like, yeah, they're fucking they're monsters. They're worse than the dinosaurs. I guess. <laughs> Great. Okay. What a simple, stupid story. <laughs> I like the original idea of, of Jurassic Bad Park. people are bad, Mike. They could be worse than dinosaurs. They're bad people. Well, the dinosaurs, you know, they don't build parks to house themselves in. So I guess that makes True. the people the worst. The original movie, I have never really got too into anything after the original movie. I've seen I've seen all the movies. I actually haven't seen the most recent Jurassic World because I didn't think Jurassic the first Jurassic World was all that good. It but wasn't. The... The original book and movie, it's got this kind of theme to it that it's kind of like what we said about King Kong, right? And we've said it about King Kong a couple of times. It's like, don't tamper with this stuff. Don't tamper with nature. Don't tamper with, in this case, the dinosaurs that were dead for 60 million years. You know, don't try to bring them back as a tourist attraction. Like, that's sure. not Grant cool. Yeah, Grant Sadler and Malcolm, who are kind of like the film's trio of consciousness or, or consciences, I should say, they all have a, a similar opinion of Hammond's Park right from the first act of the film. They kind of all say, hey, wow, this is amazing, but the, the kind of a power you're trying to hold in your hand is just, it's, it's beyond what any human person is supposed to be able to do. And the consequences just come raining down immediately. The, the film makes no business about anything the other way. I mean, the opening scene is a guy being eaten by raptors. I mean, that you know, the, the movie lets you know right away that this is a bad idea. So I, I was really confused when they came back with the new movies and the message was somehow even simpler and worse and, and, and more poorly developed than that. The first couple of movies, uh, the, the original trilogy, I guess, or the Spielbergian trilogy, right? Since the first two were directed by Spielberg, there is at least this fun spirit of adventure. And yes, also the morality tale of, you know, hey, be careful what you wish for scientists, because you just might get it and it'll, it'll eat your face off. In the newer movies, it's like, it's almost like the science is old hat. Like we shouldn't even care about it like ah oh, now we're just genetically putting together anything we want indomitus rex great whatever and people will buy it because people are greedy and terrible it was just it was the message was tired it was stupid it was uh made simpler it was not nuanced i don't know i, I that's why these newer movies are so fucking forgettable yeah in the end it's just you know they want to show off the dinosaurs obviously like that's the thing and the movies themselves the new movies themselves at least kind of fall victim to their own theming, right? To where it's just like the park wants bigger, nastier, meaner dinosaurs so they can get more people to go to the park and that's bad. But the movies are also doing that by showing us bigger, meaner, nastier dinosaurs because that's what people want to yeah. see in the movies. So they don't even learn their own lesson. Uh, and that's kind of, um, it's kind of funny to see that in, the, in these films, but we are getting another Jurassic Park movie or Jurassic World movie. There's going to be a third Jurassic World movie uh, coming out, I believe, sometime in 2022. And I don't really know much about it. I think they've, they're getting most of the original cast back, which is cool. I'd like to see those people again. But ultimately, I'm not totally interested in what's coming out with Jurassic Park in the future. I'm actually just more interested in kind of paying homage and the right amount of homage to the original film and what that film meant for cinema at the time 
It's, it was a technological achievement. It was Steven Spielberg still really on top of his game. And I don't know if that's like his last really great film, but it's got to be, it's definitely like when Steven Spielberg was like really in his stride. It was, he was doing some of his best work in obviously the 80s and the 90s. You know, he had been, what, Jaws was 1975 and Jurassic Park is 1993. So mm-hmm. it's just under 20 years of Steven Spielberg doing really just amazing stuff. But before we get into some more of this stuff, we experienced Jurassic Park at the right time. You and I were in the age group that like, even though Jurassic Park is a PG-13 movie with some very frightening scenes in it and some aspects that will scare pretty much even adults at that point. They ate that man off the toilet. The toilet's supposed to be safe. The toilet was always a safe zone until Jurassic Park. And since then, it's never been safe again. You can get shot on the toilet. Mike, every time. That's right. Every time I get on the toilet now, I think any moment a T-Rex could eat me. It traumatized me for life. I'm going to sue Steven Spielberg. You you should probably do that because uh, you want to get that Spielberg money now because, you know, you never know. You never know where your chances are. You don't know the statute of limitations on being offended. Do you think the statute of limitations has run out on trauma re-going to the bathroom like and worrying about a T-Rex invasion? I don't know. It was like 28 years ago now, so maybe. I don't know. I don't know. All I'm a chance. You really did. You could have made some of that money that he lost on AI. (laughs) (laughs) I don't blame him for that movie. So Jurassic Park came out. We were we were seven years old. Every seven-year-old kid loves dinosaurs. It's kind of part of the thing of being a kid is you like dinosaurs. Dinosaurs were big at this point in time. A lot of video games in this era involved cavemen and dinosaurs. The Flintstones were getting a reboot. You had stuff like Cadillacs and dinosaurs in the comic books and in video games. You had dinosaurs on TV, the uh, Jim Henson production on on. TGIF. Well, in this movie, Jurassic Park, people get eaten by dinosaurs as Jordan. Oh, yeah, Jurassic Park, right. Yeah. As you said, one man gets eaten off the toilet, which is actually a moment of levity in this in this film. <laughs> that's yeah, that's the tone. <laughs> that's the tone. As right after Dr. Ian Malcolm says, Well, when you gotta go, you gotta go. The dinosaur eats the man off the toilet. <laughs> And everyone, nobody had a problem with it. Everyone was like, yeah, that's okay. That guy got killed. Yeah, even in the theater, people were like, yeah, yeah. yeah that guy, that guy uh, sucked. Yeah, that, guy, that guy Yeah, that's right. When I, I remember first seeing Jurassic Park, I did not see Jurassic Park in the theater. This was when Steven Spielberg had come out and be like, well, I wouldn't let my kids see it. So every kid like under the age of like eight or nine or 10 got like totally screwed over by Steven Spielberg. And parents like, I'm not taking him if Steven Spielberg Listen, won't show his kids. As per recent events, we know Steven Spielberg has no business telling other people's kids what they're allowed to do. That's right. Why, what happened? His daughter does porn. That happened. That's a real, I'm not making that up. Wow. I didn't know that. I'm just saying. <laughs> by the way, I'm, I am pro sex work, but I'm just saying, you probably shouldn't be lecturing others in parenting if your daughter is in porn. I'm just saying. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Don't let your kids watch the T-Rex, but your daughter, what if she can do whatever she wants? That, that, yeah, that's right. And I, and I didn't see it in the theaters because of that. So I remember seeing Jurassic Park for the first time in on VHS tape when we had rented it from a Blockbuster or like bought it at a, at a Blockbuster at, at some point in time. And I remember, I remember loving it, like immediately just loving Jurassic Park. I love dinosaurs, obviously. I was a dinosaur fan. Uh, not, the, not, the, not the sitcom mind you just dinosaurs in general and there were so many toys that were marketed to we six and seven year old kids 
from Jurassic Park. I had a couple of T-Rexes. I had, we had Dr. Alan Grant, had some Velociraptors, which really aren't what Velociraptors look like. They're more like the Utah Raptor. Anywho, but unfortunately- Like the Utah Jazz. The the Utah Jazz. uh, Yeah, the Jazz moved from Louisiana to Utah where they don't allow music. Yeah, so, this is a strange move. It's a strange move. A very strange move. And unfortunately, I was in a position where the first Jurassic Park toy I had gotten from the KB Toys by my house as a kid <laughs> was the Dennis Nedry figure. Oh my god! So did, I was. Ex- did he come with the fan? Fuck the fan head poison dinosaur. No, he did not come with the Dilophosaurus. That guy came with nothing. You just got Dennis Nedry by himself. What with the like, fuck can you do with just Dennis Nedry? He had like shades on and a sweater, and he had a gun. And I remember like being excited to see him in the movie. I'm like, oh, I got the toy. I can't wait to see this guy in the movie. And he's the worst. He's the worst. He's literally the worst. My brother got Robert Muldoon, who at least is like, you know, the cool dinosaur hunter character in this movie. He's like the cool, the cool Australian, like, you know, dinosaur hunter. He's got a real vendetta against the Velociraptors. Like clever girl. One of the best lines in the movie. And then they get him. Uh, Samuel Jackson's in this film because why not? And he's awesome with one of the most memorable lines in film history. Hold on to your butts. <laughs> Which, but also, I, ah, damn, I hate this hacker crap. <laughs> <laughs> and to this day, I still say, catch myself saying, hold on to your butts every so often. That is, you know, my experience with it was renting it or buying it. I forget what it was and watching it constantly. Like, when I was eight years old, seven years old, nine years old, it was like, you watched Back to the Future, I watched Ghostbusters, I watched Jurassic Park, and I watched the Star Wars trilogy, like pretty much on repeat as a kid. And I loved everything about this movie to where the point where they were, when they came out with Lost World, and they had the books were out and all that stuff, it's like, I couldn't wait to see Lost World. And like my like fourth or fifth grade class, we actually read excerpts from Lost World because they knew everyone was so into this. And uh, yeah, it was terrible. But that being said, I love Jurassic Park so much. And there's not a lot of great media surrounding Jurassic Park. It's pretty much the best thing about Jurassic Park really is that first movie. And I actually think that it improves upon the novel in many ways, because I think something like this actually works better as a film. But as we've come to know over time, Michael Crichton loves theme parks and loves when theme parks go incredibly wrong. But what are you, what are your what's your experience with Jurassic Park? I did see it in the theater. I I remember my parents taking me and I remember I was terrified the entire time. My parents were not like good judges of like what to take a child to see. I remember like we went to see Twister as a family and I was like fucking shitting my pants cuz I thought the Twister was like going to come off the screen and come get us. I feel like that movie was later and I was probably a little older, but let's not pick on me for that, all right? <laughs> but yeah, I saw a lot of movies I probably shouldn't have as a kid. But yeah, Jurassic Park was terrifying to me. But also, listen, when you're a little kid and you're terrified, you become fascinated with that thing. After Jurassic Park, all I wanted was like Jurassic Park toys and like to talk about Jurassic Park. But funny enough, we did not go see The Lost World in theaters. So whatever happened between 1993 and I think, I don't know, 97 or 96 or whenever the other one came out, I guess I had lost interest or maybe maybe other people saw it and were like, yo, don't go see The Lost World. It sucks. I kind of dropped Jurassic World, sorry, Jurassic Park after that. Uh, I remember seeing Jurassic Park 3 in theaters, thoroughly mediocre, which seems to be the all-around consensus on Jurassic Park 3. And then I kind of just forgot about it. But I would always come back to watching Jurassic Park as one of my favorite films. And the only thing that would get me excited about Jurassic World when I saw that they were making a new movie was they were finally going to do a version of the park that was open 
and like you would actually see the park functioning. But of course, the first movie in the Jurassic World series, just, you know, Jurassic World fucking sucks balls. So you get to see the park open for like, I don't know, 45 minutes of the film, but shit's already breaking down. And then like all hell breaks loose, like way too soon. Morality play, morality play, morality play, and just turns into bland fucking mush nothing. Yeah, it ends up becoming quite a generic action film towards the end with dinosaurs, and it kind of loses its brain in, in the process. So as we're talking about these these Jurassic movies, we obviously know what Jurassic Park does so well. It's kind of a perfect situation. It's a perfect scenario. It really is a lightning in the bottle kind of situation with this film. But what do you think the other Jurassic movies get wrong? Like what's wrong with these films? Right off the bat from, from Lost World on, and Lost World's particularly disappointing because it's so soon after the first one and it has Spielberg and it has a script inspired by a Crichton novel. It has like all the components to be good. It kind of just falls apart because you can like feel almost like studio hands getting a hold of the movie and just kind of like crippling it, making it unfun. The, the worst thing that happens in the second one, other than T-Rex in fucking San Diego, is that Ian Malcolm becomes a totally different character. Like, it, instead of being like the fun-loving, like rock starish rogue that he was in the first movie, now he's just like nervous, super concerned dad who has no fun at all in the second movie. It's really quite bad. And also, like, they underestimated that part of the thrill of Jurassic Park was that, you know, it, it was it was the park itself. It was the science going on behind the scenes. It was, you know, giving people an experience. This will be funny when you hear what my pitch is later, but, like, just picking through the derelict remains of these places it is depressing. And that's all they gave us for movies two and three. And then ultimately all they gave us from the two newer movies as well was just like, hey, you missed all the fun. Let's just pick through the ruins more and more. Um, and I honestly, I have a pitch that's going to do exactly that, but I think it addresses it in a fun way. Me too. Um, yeah. So there you go. The series forgets to have fun with itself. It also, it starts to lack craft after a while. Part of the reason why that first film shows up is because you have some of the most beautiful animatronics of all time, like masterwork puppets doing this, this great dinosaur work. And yeah, a little bit of blended CG to get it all to stick. Starting with Lost World and moving forward, the dinosaurs are really all CG and they are terrible to look at. And that's why Lost World and the subsequent films look worse now than the original Jurassic Park does, because that kind of craftsmanship lasts over time, even visually. Yeah, and it's kind of what we've seen with like Marvel versus other films that use primarily CG, is that Marvel will take a puppet, per se, and CG over it. Like, you'll have Mark Ruffalo in a Hulk suit, and then they CG over like the whole... Hulk suit with the Hulk suit. So the actors are actually interacting with like these big giant hands and stuff. Or if you go and watch something from like the Mandalorian, you have the Grogu puppet, who is an actual puppet that costs millions of dollars to make. And they shoot them now in front of a giant circular monitor that on the monitor is displayed the background that is adjusted and updated in real time through a yeah. video game engine. So the actors now have more stuff to, to react to. It's not just green screen and mocap. Yeah, so, it's so cool. It's uh, the process of watching them make the movies is so beautiful. I yeah, wish so, that Jurassic Park would take that care, but they, they seem to not. No, it's probably just ultimately too expensive. And while Universal clearly has a lot of money, they probably don't want to blow all that money on, on a Jurassic movie when people just want to see these big dinosaurs that they could easily do in CG. The first Jurassic Park is special because the dinosaurs look real. They feel real, even if they don't look like they might have actually looked. And unfortunately, when you make a movie like Jurassic Park and there are paleontologists who are out there in the world who were 
doing this work every single day and our science is getting better to see more and more what the dinosaurs actually look like ultimately those those views and those the way the dinosaurs look ages out but that being said the puppetry and the cg used to blend in the puppetry still looks very 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 good and i think my biggest problem with jurassic park moving forward is that the most interesting thing about jurassic park to me is always the park yeah. It's always the park. Why we've gone out of our way so many times now to get away from the park, whether it has been inhabited or not, is kind of crazy to me. You know, it's kind of like the park is interesting. I don't care if there are dinosaurs all over the world. Like, I don't care. I, I want to see the park. I want to yeah. see the park. I want to see it. I want to see the, the, that, that uh, industrial, industrial nature of the park, that whole Disney atmosphere gone horribly wrong which why the best seasons of westworld are one and two and why westworld season three is not nearly as good yeah you're exactly right you hit that comparison on the head westworld season three is garbage because they were just like yeah just make it a generic sci-fi adventure instead of keeping what made the show special which was its western aesthetic hello westworld keep keep the jurassic park in jurassic park you know what i mean yeah exactly keep the dinosaurs in the park don't don't always feel the need to like, we live among them now. The dinosaurs are our friends. It's like, okay, guys, I, I, I understand that we want to be nice to these animals because they're animals that were ripped from their own graves and recreated using frog DNA. We still want to see the park. We still want to see that interaction yeah. between people in that environment. I think like the newer Star Wars movies, uh, the Jurassic Park, or sorry, I should say the Jurassic World movies also kind of underestimated how much we wanted to connect with the original characters. Mm -hmm. Grant, Sattler, and Malcolm are beautiful, wonderfully rendered, wonderfully deep characters played by three of like the best actors of their era. Continuing on to today, those three actors are still amazing. And they kind of just peppered them throughout the series, but honestly, not enough. Honestly, we'll have our Star Wars podcast someday when we talk about how Luke, Leia, and Han were totally squandered. But I feel like the Jurassic series is doing the same thing with uh, Malcolm Grant and Sattler. They pop up here and there. Malcolm obviously is the lead of movie two. Grant comes back in three. We see Malcolm for like a half a second in uh, one of the new Jurassic movies. I honestly forget which one. I guess it doesn't matter. And now all three, I think, are coming back for the, the last installment of Jurassic World and honestly good riddance to Jurassic World. But the thing is, they never made characters that were as good as those. They kind of just created some archetypes for Owen and Claire, who are the Chris Pratt, Bryce Dallas Howard characters in the new movies, but we're not really very attached to them. And that's not because those actors are bad. Bryce Dallas Howard and Chris Pratt are fucking amazing, but they don't have a lot of traits that make them special, that make them endearing to us. I don't know. There was something about like the go-getter, hardworking, really brainy paleontologist, you know, trying to perform some heroics in that first movie that really connected with us. We liked Ian Malcolm because yeah, there was the veneer of this, uh, you know, wisecracking, you know, rock starry type guy, but he was also like a, a brilliant, I believe that the term is chaostician, right? Uh, someone who studies chaos theory. Um, the newer characters were just, I don't know, they were more generic. They felt less well-rendered. Claire is like super businesswoman and Chris Pratt is like ex-Navy guy animal trainer. It was not like, I don't know, they, they replaced it with inferior components. They didn't give us back what we wanted. There was not someone on the science side that we really cared about that said, this is wrong, here's why I know how to fix it. They delegated that to supporting characters we didn't care about. Yeah, and ultimately in the end, it's not Chris Pratt or Bryce Dallas Howard's fault 
no, they're that, great. that happened. They're obviously, you know, great actor, great actors and really great. And pretty much a lot of the stuff they're in, it's just the characters aren't fleshed out. They're not there. They're not there. I would love to see Bryce Dallas Howard also in these films, maybe have more of a directorial um, role as well on top of that, because she is quite good at that. Uh, her episodes of Mandalorian are excellent. Some of the best in the series. And I think uh, they need to they need to work with her more. I, I would love to see her direct some of the stuff. Yeah, actually, we're Bryce Dallas Howard's like actually special. Like she's yeah. a, a very good actress and she's like a super, super talented director. So I hope that like that's someone we have. I think we will like into her, you know, very old age, like her father, just like, you know, getting to do stuff. I think she's wonderful. Yeah, she's awesome. And unfortunately, yeah, the characters aren't fleshed out, but that's the writing's fault. And ultimately, I believe that they just kind of divert to big, big, scary dinosaur everything screams and we know when we're being cheated right <laughs> yeah it just it feels so uninteresting you know yeah yeah ultimately like i shrug at the movies now like even to the point where like if it was on tv i'd probably just go eh, i'll do something else it's yeah. not like it's not like i accidentally you know find the mummy or yes pretty much mummy. Any, pretty much most of the marvel films at this point especially like thor ragnarok like that's my afternoon if i fall upon that but in the end, it's like, yeah, I don't really care. But if Jurassic Park was on TV, I'm watching it. it talks about what we don't like, what they kind of get wrong. We talk about experience with it. So where do we want this franchise to go? Uh, I think it's pitch time. I think it's time okay. to start talking yeah. about our let's, pitches. Let's get to it, baby. So you're pitching something. You you warned me in the pre-show. Your, your pitch is a little weird today. It's a little different uh, from what I normally do or from what we normally do on this show. Because in this show, we normally pitch something that takes place within the same medium of the product in which we're talking about. So in this Are, instance, we're not, you're pitching, I'm not talking. You're going to pitch a soda, aren't you? Yeah, Jurassic Thirst. Oh, it's that's a, so good. Actually, you know what? I shouldn't even say this. I should sell this to Universal, sell it at their theme parks. Dinosaur soda. No, go ahead. Dinosaur soda. What would Dinosaur it taste like? soda. I think it would taste like, it would have to be like a tropical flavor, but like oh, different yeah, different versions of tropical fruit sodas. You know, like Fanta, but but more of more on the lines of like tropical fruits so like you know obviously pineapple maybe some coconut maybe like a pina colada flavor oh you yes. know and Dude, the, can, you get, can you get a coffee flavored one called jurassic perk yes that would be that would be the coffee shop version of it so it's nice. a it's a cola it's a cola and coffee blend i like that yeah that with maybe good. a touch of a vanilla oh. like almost, maybe a little manhattan special flavor almost if you've ever had no. that no i don't know what that is but i'll, I'll buy it anyway uh, Manhattan Special. Uh, you never had that? No. The Manhattan a, Special? Isn't that illegal? No, it's. <laughs> I think it's a 38 Special. I think they closed the tanning salon by my house for that. <laughs> the Manhattan Special is an espresso soda that they sell in, in most supermarkets here in New York, and it's very good if you've ever wanted to have an espresso soda. <laughs> okay, man, I don't know shit. I don't know fucking anything. All right. Hey, what about a uh, pork flavored soda? Jurassic pork, I think would, would work well. Am I uh, reaching? Uh, yeah, you're, you're reaching a little bit. We also have to thank Jurassic Park for inspiring the name of the most depressing episode of cartoons ever in Jurassic Bark. Oh, God. Is, Look, don't even talk about it. I'll just start crying on air. I'll be embarrassed. Yeah, I'm not going to do that. Uh, okay, so. Why would they make an episode so sad? It's a children's car. Forget it. Forget it. So anyway, here's my pitch. So. Ooh. How about this? Yeah, daddy. <laughs> a life uh, uh, finds a way. Okay, so I said this before that Jurassic Park doesn't really have much success outside of the film medium, right? It, it, there's really not, I mean, it has the books, right? It has the two books, but a lot of it, there was never really any good board games. 
There was never really any comic books or anything like that. Nothing really all that great. And one of these aspects that have always been bad are Jurassic Park's video games. Mm-hmm. Jurassic Park's video games at, at their best are like SimCity style park management simulators where I understand what you want to do. You want to build a park that has dinosaurs. You want to be build it like Zoo Tycoon. I get it. And you can have all these dinosaurs. You can charge this amount. You're actually running the park. I like that because I think the park is interesting. However, my problem with this is that that's not what the movies are about. The movies are not about running the park. The movies are about being at the park and things going horribly, horribly, horribly wrong. That's right. I'm going to pitch a video game for Jurassic Park, and I'm calling it Return to Jurassic Park. It's It's a good title. It's the year 1998. No one was alive then. My God. Nobody was alive yet. None of our listeners had have touched the earth. Jurassic Park has failed, clearly. The events of 1993 ring throughout the science community as a great failure of science, of paleontology. John Hammond bit off more than he could chew. Yeah. But the people leave. The park is left on its own. And the dinosaurs can continue to survive while they're there. In 1998... Five years after the first Jurassic Park incident, there's a group. InGen is going to kind of try to protect their assets, all of the money that they invested, with the hopes of maybe being able to salvage something, to bring it back, to maybe build another park, rebuild the park, see where they went wrong. And I want the player character in this game to be a a young paleontologist you can choose. There's going to be two player characters that you can choose from, and they have different skill sets slightly and different abilities and different loadouts and all that stuff. And you're sent with a group, a small group, back to Jurassic Park by InGen to try to get your hands on what went wrong, to try to get the data, to try to get some of the, d- the DNA that might have been left over, to find eggs, to do whatever you can to salvage what InGen has lost in Jurassic Park never really getting off the ground, not to kind of save their money, but to see if you can kind of build another park out of it, or they can build another park, but you're a hired, kind of hired gun sent in there. I want this game to start where you're led into Jurassic Park and you're let down in a helicopter and the helicopter, your helicopter leaves and you're left with maybe three or four people to go into the park, investigate it and see what went wrong. That's the goal of the, of the game. Now, ultimately, as you're traversing through the park, you realize that while, while there are dinosaurs there, I don't want you to have to kill the dinosaurs. Every single game that has these dinosaurs in it or any Jurassic Park game, so much of it where you're like, it's an adventure game. So much of it is like shooting and fighting and killing the dinosaurs. And I don't like that because that kind of defeats the purpose of the park in general. It's, you're, not, you're not there to kill stuff. But I've always been so fascinated with the way adventure and puzzle games kind of work together in the vein of like a Resident Evil or a Dino Crisis or even like the newer Batman games or Metroid Prime where you use your environments and the tools that you have and pick up at the park Mm -hmm. to your advantage so that you can kind of use the environment to sneak around these dinosaurs to turn the environment against them so that they could so that you don't get attacked there's obviously going to be points in the game where you're being chased and you're going to go through all the different little spots in the park and kind of like these little pretty much the entirety of the Isla Nublar where you search all over the island in these kind of mini sandboxes to pick up all this information and go on all these little missions that you get left over from 
what was there before as you investigate stuff you can unlock things and, and research and see things or you know things that you know that you have to do based on your main your game's main mission now i don't want this to be like an open world type of thing i just want little pods of this island to where you can walk around like that i kind of really want it to work like a resident evil kind of over the shoulder adventure game yeah that has a lot of puzzles in it but i also want a large portion of the game to be about managing your inventory trying to survive on this island, trying to avoid being attacked by the dinosaurs. The last thing that you want to do is have them notice you. So there's going to be stealth. You don't want them to attack you because most of them will probably kill you. And in the event that you do have to harm or kill one of these dinosaurs, I, wanted there, I want there to be some sort of penalty for that. So I want there to be kind of not a morality system, but I want the player to have some choice in the matter that will affect your ending or your, the items that you get, whether okay. you, know, you get to a point where it's like, hey, I found a nest of Tyrannosaurus eggs. And you either destroy them or you're like, all right, let's see if we, if we can harvest this to see what we could do. Or maybe we save them and just leave them as is. So are, are, is your player character working for InGen? Yes. And so who, is there a human enemy as well, or is it just the dinosaurs? Yes. So while you're there on the island, I would say if a little bit into the game, this is not something that there's no, right away, there's no antagonist that you know of. Right. But later in the game, I would say maybe like an hour or so. And I'm thinking this to be maybe like an eight to 10 hour experience, maybe 12 hours, like a, like a Resident Evil length. I want you at some point to come across some evidence that there has been another group on the island. And that group is Biosyn. Biosyn. Yep, we got exactly. Dodson here. Exactly. See, nobody cares. Nobody cares. Nice hat. So I want Biosyn to be there as, as another company who has gone in because in the book, they're known as being thieves, essentially. So they steal yeah. from other scientists. And I was always so interested at the whole dino heist aspect where they were just going to steal these embryos and take them away. And now in this game, there are no embryos anymore. So I think that Biosyn in this game are actually just flat out stealing dinosaurs. So you get to a point where not only do you have to avoid wild dinosaurs, you have to avoid Biosyn as well. I want ultimately your goal at the end of the game is to stop Biosyn, figure out what went wrong, see what if you want to salvage what you can and free any of the dinosaurs that Biosyn has captured so that you can kind of stop their dino heist. And obviously in this point in the game, there will be big action moments where, you know, you're probably trying to get them off a train or you're trying to get them off these, these trucks that they've taken. You're trying to save what you can of them. But I think ultimately at the end, you could choose whether to actually report the information back to InGen or choose to delete it all. Ooh. So that you can have a choice to be like, you know what? No, we're not going to do this again. We're going to let the dinosaurs be dinosaurs. We're going to let them live in Costa Rica. We're going to let them live here in this area and ultimately uh, thrive here again. Give them back the home that they lost and don't take advantage of these, of these animals. Oh, I love or that. you can do anything you want. You can, you know, you can take them yourself. And obviously, you know, Biosyn is obviously just going to be your antagonist. I like that a lot. I like it. I think I like that last part most of all because your game actually deals with something that i think the movies don't do very well which is just like well hey we we brought the dinosaurs back it's kind of like what do you do with them uh some groups want to continue to exploit them by either putting them in some kind of new theme park <laughs> uh like the masrani corporation uh or making them weapons of war 
Yeah. Uh, as we see, you know, hinted at in, in the earlier Jurassic World film and then auctioned off to, to different military organizations in the second one. Uh, but no one has really tackled this idea of kind of making them uh, their own preserve or, or trying to leave them alone in some way. I love that that would be a path maybe in your in your game. Yeah, I just think it makes the most sense to me as someone who doesn't like messing. Don't mess with nature. You know, unfortunately, we, the dinosaurs were brought back by the human scientists, but that doesn't mean that they have to live like that. They don't have to be subject to being amusement for people. They can go ahead and live on this island on their own and, you know, have their kind of world back to a degree. Yeah. That, uh, my other question for you was... Um, oh, no, no, go go ahead. Oh, my other question for you was that uh, being we, we kind of addressed that a lot of Jurassic Park's magic kind of derives from the original trio. Do you think you would have any room to... Being your video game, I mean, you could do anything you want. Could you uh, cameo maybe in the form of, uh, I don't know, video diaries or something like that? Could you do something with Grant, Sattler, or Malcolm? I think I would want to, uh, absolutely. Obviously, the park, like you were saying, like we were complaining about, about before, in this instance, the park is ruined. The part we are picking through the remains, but I think that definitely some sort of, you need those cameos. You need those characters there. You need their experience you know, you need their information that they have from the park, maybe maybe, maybe data and research that they did after they had left as well. These are important characters to the story. So yes, video diaries, uh, manuscripts, anything like that. Yeah. I would play that in a heartbeat. There's actually like a little bit of like Bioshockiness in there a little bit, uh, actually less combat oriented than Bioshock. But I mean, in terms of the uh, story elements, the exploration, the morality, I think there's a lot of good stuff in there. Yeah, I think it is definitely inspired by Bioshock a bit, especially because it's like the party's over. Right. And you're there and you're trying to figure out what happened. And that's right. kind of your goal. And I really like that about Bioshock, as we said in our Bioshock episode. So I just wanted to make a video game for, for Jurassic Park because it deserves a good one. Yeah, for sure. That was awesome. I love that. Thank you. Thank you. So what do you got? All right. So I'm going to be doing a film, kind of like a lost entry in the, in the Jurassic Park slash Jurassic World franchise. So uh, here we go. How about this? Ooh. Thank you. I live for the noise. I live for the noise right after we say how about this. I, that's a good. Those are good noises too. My God, you're, look at look at the Foley work on Mike here. This is I know. great. It's so good. So, this is a film that would be a prequel to Jurassic World, but it would take place really after the three Jurassic Park movies proper. So it exists in that soft place between Jurassic Park 3 and, and Jurassic World. But it does not really concern main series characters. This is more a story set in the world of the Jurassic movies, not really something that is vital to their narrative. I just wanted to tell a story with some new characters using Jurassic Park elements, using what I think is actually some really rich lore uh, largely inspired by the Crichton novels and, of course, the, the first film. You know, I think a, a big part of what is disappointing about movies two and three is that it focuses on Isla Sorna or Site B, the second of the two fictional Costa Rican islands in Crichton's mythology. And I think all the action is at Isla Nublar. That's where you want to be. That's the site of the original Jurassic Park. So I said that that's going to be our setting for this. So get this. I have got a cast of what I would call the typical four plucky teenagers or four folks in their early 20s. I'm going to I'm just going to give it away where I'm going right now. Mike Hardy knows. I'm just going to give away kind of where I'm going with this right now is that I want to do like extreme tourism. Like if you're a rich kid who's bored and has nothing better to do and you're obsessed with Jurassic Park and like everything you could find out about it, you want to find some way to get to Isla Nublar and past all the, 
you know, military folks that don't want you in there and engine and whatever else. And that's what this movie is about. This movie is like partially inspired by a horror movie called Chernobyl, which was about basically like extreme tourism in like the most radiated place on earth. This is the same thing. It's, it's a horror film that I'm pitching, but it's about four young folks that go behind the lines of Isla Nublar because they are four Jurassic Park super fans. They know everything about John Hammond and about Injun and Dr. Wu that there is to read about. They know everything about the events that have gone on in the first movie, the second movie, the third movie. They are basically super fans of Jurassic Park, kind of mirroring the experience of the audience. So let me introduce you to our characters. We have Trevor. Trevor is played by Joe Keery, who is Steve in the uh, Stranger Things show. So it's kind of our handsome sort of male lead, right? He's He's got all the money. That's going to be important. We have uh, his girlfriend, Mary, who's played by Sophia Lillis, right? So that is, of course, Bev from the It movies, right? So that's his girlfriend. Then we have his best friend, Caleb. Sorry, sorry. His best friend, Wes, who's played by Caleb McLaughlin, who plays Lucas on Stranger Things. And then we have Gracie. I said Gracie could either be played by Millie Bobby Brown, or if we wanted to go with someone older just to diversify the group and maybe give Trevor a sister, we could go with maybe Anya Taylor-Joy, since I put her in Golden, every pitch. Golden Globe winner. Golden Glo- Now, Golden Globe winner for uh, The Queen's Gambit, Anya Taylor-Joy. She could be in the film. But actually, for this pitch, I'm going to go with Millie Bobby Brown for now. There poor, is no- Poor Flint Wolfhard. Poor Flint Wolfhard. I know. Yeah, poor kid. You know what? He could get eaten by a dinosaur early in the film. How about that? <laughs> I've decided that <laughs> this, is, this is the route I chose to go. Trevor has all this money, and his girlfriend, Sophia Lillis, she is like the true bleeding heart Jurassic Park fan, not only because- her whole life has been like obsessed with Jurassic Park and she wants to visit it more than anything, but because she authentically like is, is a scientist. Like she's, she's a going to be a paleontologist. She's studying for it. And if you're a paleontologist, there's really nothing more exciting than Jurassic Park to be able to go see these animals that don't exist anywhere else. He comes up with this crazy harebrained scheme that for her birthday, listen, it's my movie, right? And this is a little out there, but for her birthday, he's going to spend like millions of dollars to take her and their three friends here on an extreme tour of Jurassic Park. But of course you need your tour guide. Okay. So my tour guide is played by Andy Serkis. Okay. <laughs> So Andy Circus, yeah, exactly. It's definitely like Ulysses Claw Circus as well. Is he, wait, is he not? He's not playing the dinosaurs. <laughs> he's also all of the dinosaurs. All right, good. Thank God. <laughs> so Circus is playing a character called uh, Lamont, and Lamont is is really not that special in terms of his origin. He was just a guy that used to work security at Jurassic Park. But he's also, like, technologically speaking, a really brilliant guy. He can get around the park's current security systems, even though everything in the park has basically been deactivated. And this is not his first time at the rodeo. This is kind of how he's making money, is on the black market selling these extreme tour packages of Jurassic Park. He's bribed the right people in the military, you know, the Costa Rican Guard, whatever, you know, to kind of get behind the lines and show you Island Nublar. And he knows, like, where there are basically safe zones where mostly it's like herbivores and like, you know, things that would be okay for tourists to take a look at. But Trevor, who is, you know, kind of a fucker, right, has paid this guy a little bit of extra money because, you know, Wes really wants to see that T-Rex, right? Everybody wants to see the OG T-Rex from Jurassic Park. Not just our characters, we do. The audience. The audience wants to see the T-Rex. He's the main character of Jurassic Park, basically. So in this film, I should mention it's important, the character Wes, played by Caleb McLaughlin, he 
is the type of extreme tourist that films everything. And he wants to get famous off the film of their extreme tour of the park. So we have like standard movie film camera going on, but also we're going to have like a, a shot of basically found footage Wes doing like the, oh, I'm looking at this, I'm looking at this. So occasionally when, you know, Wes breaks off from the rest of the group, we see through his camera. Note that for later. All right. Okay, so the act structure of our film is as follows. I'm not going to get super detailed, but I want to give you like basically an overview. The opening of this film, since the opening scenes of these Jurassic Park movies typically have to be like pretty epic, is going to be very similar to what you just said, Mike, about uh, your video game. We are going to see guys from Biosyn have already invaded Isla Nublar, and the opening shot is of them actually going through Dr. Wu's laboratory to try to just scavenge whatever they can. It's pretty unlikely that they would get any of those embryos now that the technology has been shut down for so long. But actually, strangely, in the laboratories they're going through, they see that a lot of stuff has backup generators with energy that has lasted for years. Like, woo didn't mess around. Stuff is, like, still intact. So you see a bunch of Biosyn guys, and you see Dodgson is with them this time. So he's actually there. It's not like man behind the curtain. Dodgson is there because he still believes there is purpose for these animals. Maybe he wants to build a park of his own. Maybe you could even throw in that stupid ass military plot where you're going to send the fucking, I don't know, dinosaurs to North Korea or some shit. I don't know. But he's in Wu's lab. And the big opening moment where dinosaurs attack is you're going to see them like going to each cryo chamber, seeing what's still left intact. They're going to check out the Brachiosaurus, Triceratops, whatever. And they finally get to the Raptor cryo. And they noticed like, oh man, there's no, there's no raptors left. Like there's no like vials of raptor left. We can't, we can't breed raptors, I guess. And then you're going to see like the raptor head appear in the glass, like right over Dodgson's shoulder. And like, they're going to attack. And then it's going to be like the title shot. I don't have a good title of this movie. This is where I would drop this in. I was literally thinking like after dark, like Jurassic Park after dark or fucking after hours or something like that. I don't know. Maybe by the end of the pitch, Mike, you'll have come up with a good title for me. So we get our title. We get our first act of the kids arriving in Costa Rica uh, as if they're on like a carefree vacation. We really meet the characters and Trevor slowly lets Mary know what he's gotten for her big birthday gift that's going to like blow her away. And maybe he like wants to propose and they'll be like a sweet young couple, even though they're both like eight years old. When Jaws pops out of the water. That's the most romantic thing you could do. And this is a universal film, isn't it? Yes, it is. Yeah, he, he reveals the plan for the extreme tourism and they go to the docks to meet with Andy Serkis's character. Lord. Oh, yeah. That's, and that's what he sounds like. And he's like, oh, I used to work park security and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to take you back there into Isle de Nublar, right? So they get on this actually like pretty nice boat. It's not like a janky boat. And like on the boat, Trevor meets with Lamont and he's like, listen, man, I'll give you an extra... 20% to take us to the really dangerous zone, the red zone where we're not supposed to go. And Lamont is like, no, I can't do that. I'm Andy Circus. And he's like, I'll give you another 5%. And Andy Circus is like, no, 10. And he's like, all right, fine, fucking 10. So Andy Circus is like, all right, I'll take you to the red zone. So they land and, you know, Wes starts up his camera and he's filming stuff. And Gracie thinks these herbivores are so beautiful. And Mary's really into it. And so far, like things are going like pretty good. Uh, like this could be like the nice part of the movie. But then of course, things start to go wrong. It's actually not their fault because they went into the red zone, but you come to find out that Dodgson's men are still on the island. They did not all die in the raptor attack and Dodgson himself is still alive and he's played by Dave Harbour. Okay, so it's like a big, nasty, barrel-chested Dodgson. He's angry. He's got facial hair, okay? He's like, oh, Hellboy didn't go well for me. He's really, he's upset. 
Um, so he's like, uh, <laughs> who are these kids? They see Lamont and they're like, oh, it's Injun. It's Injun spies. They've sent scientists to basically do legitimately what we're doing illegally. They've got to go, right? So we have the humans fighting the human threat, but we also have a dinosaur threat because do you know who really runs this island? It's the raptors. The raptors reign, okay? They've been chasing Dodgson's men around the island, and now they realize that more people have come into their midst. And pretty soon it becomes obvious to Mary and Trevor and these other folks that, you know, they're not alone on this island. It's not just the happy, nice dinosaurs. It's not just feeding brachiosauruses like some, you know, fucking trees and broccoli and shit. It's, it's raptors and, of course, the T-Rex. So we get our nighttime scene. We get our storm scene, right? And uh, they're starting to look for shelter because these dinosaurs are like, you know, coming out of the woodwork here and they're, they're starting to get attacked. Uh, and very notably, and this is why I included this, Wes gets attacked, he gets separated, and the raptors attack him. And the lead raptor is so smart that he takes his like body cam and the raptor straps it on. So throughout the rest of the movie, you get things from that raptor's perspective, <laughs> okay? Like shot through his film camera, which is fucking great, okay? <laughs> All right, so now we've got like Raptor in the wilderness, like doing fucking found footage road rules shit, okay? The other kids are terrified. Lamont, I think at this point, probably got eaten or he's been killed by Dodgson's men. That character's not meant to survive. That's not, that's not a survival character. Andy Circles will say something cool when he's dying. Though. I don't know what. All right, so then we get our, our act three characters, right? So after the big attack has happened, we get the arrival of Dr. Wu, all right. And a new business invents investor named Mesrani, right? And I want them to be played by their actual people from the movie. So somebody give BD Wong a call and tell everybody to come over. I love it. So they're there to do the same thing that Dodgson and his fucking idiots were trying to do in the first scene, but they realize all hell has broken loose. So Wu says, Hey, don't worry about this. I've got this all under control. And then we have a reversal of the first film. Remember, things really started to break down in the first film when the technology failed. But when Wu arrives, things are going to really start to break down when the technology starts to work again. When these kids have to get through things like electrified fences that they didn't think was going to be a problem. When they have to work and negotiate with the park's very, very aggressive security system that they didn't think was going to be a problem before. So in other words, versus Dodgson's men, but also unfortunately our protagonist, the park itself, the technology starts to fight back. Either locking them out of sheltered safe areas, it treats them as hostiles, it has, I was even picturing like gun turrets that pop up to uh, deflect from you know what, what they would have been protecting, which would have been park guests and things like that. We finally get onto our kind of end game here. Wu and Mesrani have, have retaken the lab and, and obviously we're gonna indicate that they're gonna be open, uh, ready to open Jurassic World someday. Dodgson is the only remember like remaining of his team and he's like i don't know about to fucking shoot trevor and mary or some shit who are the only people left from the kids team right and he gets his head bit off by the t-rex <laughs> okay just like Gennaro yes. in the first film right okay right in that same vestibule not on the toilet just like in the main area there and dodgson is defeated now that uh biosyn is gone engine is free to work with masrani to officially develop the park and uh, i'm gonna say that it has a happy ending because trevor and mary get to like escape on the boat or some shit and then in the credits my mid-credits post-credits scene they get to do like all the talk shows and like they'll be on there with like grant and and malcolm and uh sattler and like, you know, they'll have their version of like the I Survived Jurassic Park book, which was what they so idolized in the beginning of the film was having like a true survivor story. And it's gonna be spliced up with like ridiculous footage from Wes's camera with the fucking raptor and shit. I was even uh, thinking of leaving that raptor alive so it could get interviewed on TV. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So that's, that's my pitch. I love that. I think that's awesome. <laughs> 
I, I think the fact that a raptor is wearing a body cam is just the best. It's oh, yeah. Best. And he's like a pretty good cameraman. Like, I want people to watch this movie and be like, that raptor has really good shooting skills. Like, this is better than Cloverfield. <laughs> Give him an Oscar. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Dude, that was awesome. I love that. I love that so, so much. I think I think we have some really fun ideas with Jurassic Park. And I think ultimately that's what makes it interesting. It's the park, right? Yeah. It's the park. We want to go to the park. We want to see the park. It's and they they do they try they work so hard to not take us to the park. It gets oh, upsetting. Dude, you reminded me of something I missed in my pitch in that act two sequence when they first arrive. I think they can like, you know, since Lamont is like kind of like, you know, technology guy. I think he powers up some of the rides for them. So actually you see a little bit of the amusement park section. Yeah, Jurassic park that's, that's kind of cool. Yeah, just to get a little bit of the happiness in there, right? But then yeah. like soon after that, people get fucking eaten. But you want some of that contrast. You know, it's ultimately in the end, it's so funny because Jurassic Park is one of those movies where it's like you're rooting for the dinosaurs. Yeah. A lot of the time. And it's funny how a film can do that. A film could take you and go, oh yeah, if this was real life, you wouldn't want your people eaten by dinosaurs. That's horrifying. But like in Jurassic Park, in Jurassic Park, you were all kind of like, yeah, yeah, yeah. You eat that guy. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, you eat him. You eat him good. You eat him good. Yeah, there is, there's a little bit of like the Roman Coliseum in the Jurassic Park movies where you're like, oh, this guy might get eaten. And the whole audience is doing like a thumbs up, eat him, eat him. Everyone remembers the dude getting eaten off the toilet and laughed at it. <laughs> Like, we're no different. Like, the fact that we're like, oh, yeah, we're, we, we've evolved. No, we yeah. haven't. No, we love that Gennaro and, and Nedry get eaten by dinosaurs. Yeah. We love those moments. Yeah, those are moments in the movie that stand out to people as, like, some of the best moments in the film. Sure. In fact, we only really think of the raptors as bad because they occasionally eat the characters we like. Yeah, exactly. Like, we didn't want Armstrong to die. We didn't want Muldoon to die. No. But, like, you know, if they had killed bad characters, we'd been like, yeah, all right. Yeah, that's fine. But, dude, that's a great pitch. I love it. Thank you, sir. I'd, I'd like to see it. I'd like to and see I, it. When I it love comes your out. game. I want to play that. We will. We will do all this stuff, but it's time to wrap this baby up. So, Jordan, thanks again for giving us your pitch on Jurassic Park. I yeah. thought it was quite fun. Thanks, man, and thank you for your awesome game pitch. I hope the folks at home liked it, or someone's probably at home saying that is one big pile of shit. Is what they're saying about one of our pitches, right? That's now. fine. They could say that all they want, but meet us in the they comments say it section. In the comments section. You know, I, I hear that a lot of you out there have uh, some uh, responses to what we say, but you never respond in the comments section. So that's what the comments section is for. Some of you have, and we've had some lovely conversations with you, but please use that comment section freely. But once again, this has been yet another episode of How About This. I have to thank the best co host in the world, the man who runs the park himself. Mr. Jordan Hugh, thank you so much. I, you know what? If only for that cane that is tipped in amber with the mosquito inside of it. Like, what a badass flex that is. Oh, what a flex, right? And thank you to the best rock star scientist wearing leather in the jungle. I would totally wear leather in the jungle. You would. You would. You. You're the kind of guy who wears a leather coat in the summer. Yeah, that's right. I have. <laughs> But thank you all once again. Please continue to listen to more episodes of How About This. For Jordan Hugh, I am Mike Staub. And remember, enjoy your day and be sure to let us know if you see any dinosaurs on your way to work. Have fun. And thank you again, listeners, for listening to this episode of How About This. We hope you had a great time on this prehistoric journey into Jurassic Park. We obviously love this movie. We love the dinosaurs. We had a whole lot of fun talking about our somewhat ridiculous pitches. And we always want to thank you for your continued support. So if you don't currently follow us, please follow us on Instagram at 
How About This Pod on Facebook at facebook.com slash howaboutthispod. And please subscribe to us and give us a review on the podcatcher of your choosing. The reason why we ask that every single time is because the more reviews and the more comments and the more likes and subscribes and all that jazz that we have, we will become more visible to other people on the internet. So if you're a fan of the show and you want us to be able to do more and reach more people, that's the best way to do it. And you've been awesome so far. We love seeing all your positive comments out there. We love all your replies on our images and the things that we post on social media. So thank you so very, very much. Also coming up very soon in just a few weeks will be the Summer of Slam. So be sure to stay tuned for all that great programming coming your way. And last but not least, for Jordan Hugh, I'm Mike Staub, and thank you so much for listening, and have a wonderful day.